Greetings from the Uncanny Valley. <laughs> for those of you who don't know, uh, we have settled on a name for our Westworld podcast. I'm your host, Kelly Gamont. With me, as always, always in our third episode, uh, I have Don Melton. Howdy. Hi, Don. How you doing? Uh, I am still freaking out about last night's oh episode seven. Yeah. Yeah, so this is, uh, we're going to talk about episode seven. We're going to roll in a little bit of episode six, um, which honestly felt pretty impressive in its own right until we saw episode seven. Um, So uh, the name of this episode of our show is Bernard is the Final Cylon. Yes. (laughs) I texted Dawn about midnight last night. Oh my god! Oh my god! What door? Oh my god! Bernard is the final Cylon. Oh my god! So this, by the way, by the way, folks, this was so funny. So I watched the episode online much earlier in the evening, and it freaked me out so much. I had to watch it again with subtitles all the way through. And then Kelly texts me and says, "Okay, me and Mr. Kelly are going to sit down to watch the episode." And I go, "I'm staying up until they're done." And I say, <laughs> "I'll wait. Give me the play-by-play. I'll wait." And it's it is a conversation that I'm going to archive in SMS only. So <laughs> it was it was priceless. So. Oh my God, Becky! This is my review of this episode. My spoiler-free review. Oh my God, Becky! So. So um, six, let's talk about six before we get our hearse up. Let's ourself. ramp up. Uh, so six, like I said, six was a pretty interesting episode in its own right before we got episode seven. So yeah, because six, six, because six are called the adversary, which yes. we kind of uh, understand what that allusion, allusion to is. It's, you know, Satan, I, I, I'm sure the adversary, it's biblical and the big, the big point in this episode, of course, is at the end, we uh, near the end, we discover that uh, Bernard discovers uh, that Ford has an, his entire family on site in Sector 17. And they're all hosts in robot by, form, yes. in robot form made by Arnold. And that's not the only exciting uh, thing in the episode, too. I mean... Elsie, who, by the way, is not in episode seven, and all of the internet is panicking about that. Not but she a ha- lick. Yeah, not a lick. Not even a. Uh, the only one who mentions uh, her in episode seven is Bernard. Like, where's Elsie? Mm-hmm. Uh, and somebody says, I think she went on vacation. Uh, and I was like, what? What? That's, no, yeah. she didn't go on vacation. <laughs> no, she's on leave. I think yeah. she's already on leave. Yeah. So, yeah. so Elsie made the big discovery that. Uh, Teresa was the sm- uh, smuggler. Yes. Uh, so that was very clever of her, and that was uh, was that after that was after Bernard goes down to uh, sub level eighty two and sees um, uh, sees the original gunslinger. Yeah. Uh, from um, out of focus in the background. On the, the nod, wall, yeah. yeah, nod to. Um, Yule Brenner. What, yeah, nod to Yule Brenner, <laughs> which was great. The Easter eggs in the show are just fucking awesome. And uh, I love the balance of, like, to someone else, it's just, oh, there's, like, some, some plans on the wall and it's detail. But to other people, that detail has a completely different payoff. And I love something like that where you don't have to be 
like the balance of if you are a person, you will note you might note that detail. And if you are a super nerd looking for the Easter eggy kind of stuff, that's what you're, you know, you're going to find it. And I really like that they they managed to make that something that's not super obscure, but not blatantly obvious either. Yeah, I also thought there was uh, I also thought it was funny is that, you know, when Bernard goes down to sub level 82 and finds the old computer system that has an actual keyboard. Oh my not, God! Not the space mystical iPads that they're using, and he boots it up and notice it's got the old original Westworld yeah. Westworld logo in the login screen, and then he we, pairs his we current. We saw earlier in in one of the yeah, so, in in one of the cold storage areas. Yeah. So so this this stupid PC could be thirty years old and it still works, but the fucking lighting everywhere doesn't work with a goddamn. <laughs> I know. So. That was my favorite part. I'm like. He's typing in the goddamn dark. Yeah. How is that? A th- how is that? You know, only because I remember in the olden days, um, like when when a laptop basically was not a thing. I remember that if you looked at a computer really hard, when there was any sort of electrical instability, the computer would power off. Oops, yeah. and that'd be the end of it. Always, always, always. Like I remember, one of the things they taught us in school was you had to touch touch metal mm-hmm. before you picked up a floppy disk or before you put your hands on the keyboard, because with the Apple IIe, if you put your hands on the keyboard and sent it a static charge, you could actually fry components inside the computer and turn it into a th- multi-thousand-dollar brick. Apparently, that's not a risk in the future. Okay. <laughs> obviously Uh, so i remember like the lights were flickering like if the lights were flickering there's no you weren't typing because you already had to turn the computers off so they didn't turn themselves off and not only that not only do you not have to worry about that you can actually go out and urinate on multi-million dollar 3d virtual displays you know (laughs) and it doesn't really seem to bother anybody i found that fascinating Either the I urine did. or the exposure. Right. Like, nobody seemed to care. And I, like, they all just sort of watched, like, I don't know. It kind of reminded me of, like, people watch. It, it sort of looked like the expressions of their faces were, like, people watching Planet Earth, you know, on, on BBC. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Like, this is a creature with which I am wholly unfamiliar. Yeah, so... Huh. So this whole thing, yeah, so this whole thing with Lee Sizemore urinating on the map, this whole thing starts really with Teresa having the conversation with the guy speaking Chinese, and she says, I'll take care of it. She goes up to the Mesa bar, finds uh, Lee Lee. uh, creasing his liver uh, Mm. and slacking off, gives him the the pep talk slash threat. He says, fuck it. He goes to the bar when he sees this really cute girl who mm-hmm. we come to find out is... Player to be named later. Yeah, the player to be named later, Charlotte Hale, uh, and tries to hit on her and then says, screw it, grabs a, a bottle well, of juice and he, then gets revved he's up. Trying to, he's trying to make time with her. And I don't know if that's what the young people call it these days, but he's trying. And it's... Almost like he's getting somewhere. It's it's almost like she just sort of allows it and then starts to shut him down. And yeah. then um and then he like orders and the bartender's like, 
yet your boss told me <laughs> that you need to sober up and and he just like so he ends up dissed on all sides yeah and gets super upset goes inside and pees all over the map cuz you know that's what any reasonable person would do and uh at the, and i think it's the very very end of the episode um he as as he well, he he doesn't zip up he gets called out by teresa and oh and then he zips up. up at the end when he yeah when he gets yeah, introduced yeah he's still unzipped yeah and turns around and is introduced to the girl from the bar and she's a, a member of the board an envoy of the board no she's the head of the board she she's introduced oh. as the head of the board okay I couldn't remember how she was introduced, just that she was related to the board. And, and you could just tell the expression. The uh, the actor was uh, great. Quarterman was great. It was like it, uh, Sizemore has this expression of him in his mind's eye seeing his career evaporate right in front of his eyes. It's like he's it, – it, it, to me, it looked like he was listening to it yeah. flush down the toilet. That's another way to put it, where he should have put all that urine. So, yes. And the thing is, he goes missing in Episode 7 – much like Dolores and William go missing in episode six. Yeah, not a lick. You know, we, we see at the end of episode five, Contrapasso, uh, they hop the train uh, uh, with Lawrence. Yeah. And, and the, Lawrence's friend right. in the coffin full of nitro. Right. So, slim? But, yeah, slim. Right. Slim in the coffin, which we, we understand, we find out why Lawrence put pumped him full of nitro in episode seven. We'll get to that. But the, <laughs> the other big thing, and we, we should probably cover Maeve's thing last. The other big thing yeah. that happens uh, is with the man in black and Teddy, because they've yeah. got to get through to Pariah. And, you know, they have Teddy explains this whole thing about what the maze is. It's the sum of a man's life. And there's this one lone guy who, you know, dies over and over again and finally you know decides to build a house build a maze around blah 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 it's kind of creepy because he's describing his own life there mm -hmm. right as a host then they go off and they they have to figure out a way to get through this tunnel to these union soldiers yep and teddy's like all gung-ho and the man in black is the guy who's like you know who's the wet blanket because he he doesn't want he can't die, right? But he doesn't want yeah. Teddy to get killed. And right. then they, and they, so he gets like cautious and stuff. And it was very, it 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 was very odd to have him be like, no, no, slow your roll there, killer. We gotta, yeah. You know, it was it was Make quite your a change. Make yeah. your peace. And the other thing is when the Union soldiers, because after they capture or kill or whatever, and take their uniforms and try to walk through the. Uh, Teddy and the men in black try to walk through the uh, yes. compound. <laughs> One of the soldiers uh, recognizes him. Flood! It's Teddy Flood. And yeah. you know they, and you find out that Teddy's backstory is not everything you're thinking. Uh, your yeah. new backstory with Wyatt is not everything you've been thinking about it. So we see the whole scenes of basically him and Wyatt killing everybody together. So what yeah. the hell's going on? And uh, they get captured, and uh, Teddy uh, just, you know, breaks free uh, after and avoids the brand that looked like 
the maze? What what I wonder mm-hmm. is what, what the hell are the Union soldiers going to brand him with something that looks like a maze? That one has still got me like what the fuck. And then, yeah, I'm uh, still not. I'm still not there. Like I get that they're, I get they have a brand because livestock, and I know what brands are for. I'm from the Wild West, and I couldn't figure out why it was the maze. Like I'm, I'm with you. Right, but the I big thing is, the big thing is, is that Teddy just opens up a can of whoop ass on oh those Union God. soldiers. Oh yeah. And the some of the best lines of Men in Black saying, you know, because he's clearly impressed because he said, let's get on our yeah. horse and get the fuck out of here. And, yeah. and Teddy does this and he says, you think you know somebody? And Teddy, just deadly serious, says, you don't know me at all. Oh, my God. I, like, I got chills watching it, like, just stare him down and say yeah. that. Like, almost like, how dare you? Yeah, because he so still good. looks he still looks weak and like an extra from... Uh, yeah. True Blood or Interview with a Vampire, right? You oh, know, yeah. He just looks half dead still. And yeah. he's, he's still just... very fangbanger. Yeah, yeah where's yeah, your vitamin yeah. B shots, Chief? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and so he's on a mission, so that's totally weird. Oh, my and God. And then both of them go missing in Episode 7. Yep. So they're what they're doing is they're switching back but and forth. did they? Did they? <laughs> well, we'll get to that. <laughs> so... Uh, so the <laughs> other thing, let's let's yeah, talk a little sure. bit about um, Bernard discovering Ford's host family. Ford's summer home. Yeah, yeah. summer home, and uh, he discovers that because he oh, discovers that you know there are unwatched hosts in the park, right? Yeah. And so he goes to Sector 17 himself, and he sees the guy in the distance, and the guy in the mm-hmm. distance. And I'll, I will talk about this photograph many times this episode. The guy in the distance looks like, you know, the one that we saw in the photograph in episode three. Yeah. And he actually goes inside the house and he asks this 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 old guy here, are you Arnold? Because the guy's wearing the same damn sweater and the same, you know, outfit, basically. Right. And then the guy, like, attacks him. And all of a sudden, from what we think is out of nowhere... But we will find out where he came, because we sure as hell don't see a door there. Ford appears and shuts the family down, right? And that made a lot more... That became retroactively explained. <laughs> and the end of episode... Later. Yeah, the end of episode yeah. seven. But the other great thing was is uh, the, the little boy, who is obviously young Ford. Yeah. Uh, we get to see... Uh, what was the command that Ford gave him? It freaked me out. Where his head, you know, opens up. When his head up. came open. Yeah. Um, and you see what enter a... Enter diagnostics? No, no, no. I it was something really... No. It was, no, it was something co- uh, common. Like present oh, yourself. Right, or right. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, we see what an original, you know, uh, original style host looked like. And Bernard's obviously freaking out saying this is going to make you know, it's making him uncomfortable, and Ford says, yeah, yeah. we'll talk about it later on, blah, blah, blah. Well, Goes upstairs, and then And he... it was weird. I mean, to be fair, like, it was weird. When, because as you listen to him talk about it, he, Ford doesn't, to me, Ford didn't really sound like he was talking about his family. Like, he didn't really have affection for them almost at all, it seemed like. Um, even though, like, if nothing else, I felt like he should have had affection for them as in the spirit in which they were given. Because he even says Arnold built them 
for me. Mm-hmm. So I could have my family and this happy time with my family forever. But even then, if it's a happy time, he gave his father attributes of like, you know, being the abusive alcoholic again. Right. But I think that was partly like that may have just been, you know, maybe Arnold has a twisted sense of humor. <laughs> right. And the other thing you find out is at the beginning of episode five, Contrapasso, where Ford has a conversation with old Bill about the Greyhound. We actually yeah. see the Greyhound in this episode. And we also find out <sighs> later on something is going wrong because young Ford admits to killing Jock the Greyhound. And when Ford asks him why, when he's under analysis mode, it's because Arnold told him to. So, yeah. so wacky shit. But when Bernard gets back from, uh, you know, the upstairs downstairs scene out there, uh, mm-hmm. and he goes to tell Teresa, that's when Elsie gets a hold of him and tells him, "No, no, Teresa is the smuggler." <laughs> Which I I was like, you know, I was like falling off the couch going, answer the phone. (laughs) Yeah, answer the phone. Then, you know, Teresa's doing her her bit in obviously the other place with bad lighting. And you know something's going to happen to her. Uh, And sure enough, it does. But she also finds out because she actually calls Bernard back and says, you know, uh, you know, there's a whole bunch of code in here doing really weird shit. And it's Arnold's code. And Bernard says, yeah. you know, Arnold's dead. Well, and she says at great length, he's pretty prolific for a dead guy. Yeah. So, and then somebody sneaks up uh, from her behind, uh, from behind. And mm-hmm. my money is on it being Stubbs, but I could be wrong. So we'll figure it out. Uh, pro- hopefully, in episode eight, I don't, I don't want Shannon Woodward to go missing for t- uh, two episodes. But the no. other big thing that everybody talked about even more than Ford's host family was Maeve. Maeve oh. crashing during the existential crisis uh-huh. in the diagnostics. And then well, her... But even, ge- yeah. even before that, she sells Clementine out. We th- no, no, I, no, I no. Think. no, no, that's in episode seven. Oh, okay. No, this is when she wakes up... Oh, right, right, okay. Right, with... Yeah, I have um, them in the wrong order. So yeah. that's all. Yeah. When she uh, when she wakes up in there and grabs Felix and, you know, says, explain all this to me. And yeah. he basically says, we're the same, except we're not. And he stupidly admits that you never want to tell the Terminator that they're smarter than you. What yeah. the fuck? What the fuck, Felix? You, you sold his humans <laughs> out, right? You don't tell the Terminator that it's, you know, it's smarter than us. Uh and so, or that it really has all the power when you think about it, like right. yeah. But but you know he proves to her that she's she's not real or she's being controlled with the display. Yeah. Wouldn't wouldn't that freak you out if somebody showed you something like that? And... Oh my god, I wouldn't like I would be like her. I wouldn't know what to like do about that. Yeah. Yeah. So and then so she gets the grand tour, to, uh, yeah. backed by some of the greatest music ever, uh, and that's so totally creepy, especially the host getting infused with blood that just weirded me the fuck out the other thing was when she goes to the top floor and and um felix is begging her to go down she sees the westworld presentation with the new logo yes but she sees the scenes from her past 
And do you know what that is for me? What? Because I always have to have a frame of reference for everything. This is the moment in Toy Story when Buzz sees the commercial. Yes, that's exactly it. Bingo. That's totally what happened. On the nose. I'm, I'm tapping my nose right now, which is real easy because <laughs> it's large. Uh... And he's like, and, and like she's, I can totally understand her not being able to wrap her head around it. Like, I, you know, because this is like, this is screwing now with her in on like the most fundamental of levels. Like what I know is true. Right. But she takes control of it. Yeah. She's like, no, you're going to, you're going to reset my attributes now once they explain her. And, uh, I heard that, um, what is it, uh, overall apperception, what is the phrase, the apperception phrase? Anyway, that was a top search term on Google last Sunday night. <laughs> um, I'm not surprised. And so it's so great when um, uh, when uh, Slimy Sylvester gets in and that they figure out that somebody else has been fucking with Maeve. And it's probably mm-hmm. gonna it's probably gonna turn out to be Arnold or the 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 effect of the uh, these violent delights have violent ends worm that's in her the right virus now. yeah yeah virus in her right now yeah uh, but they uh, uh, but they go in and reset her and just the the camera work the sound and everything as her bulk bulk perception that's it bulk perception goes up to eighteen you know. Yeah, uh, which it was the highest level, and she does that great line about "we're going to have some fun." Yes, and that also lo- was very exciting. I also love her thing about you know being able to read people and all that other kind of stuff because she really is good at. It. Uh, there's just a whole shitload of Amer- uh, Academy Award nominations that need to go out for this show and performances here, mm. which brings us now to. Trump low oil. Which, by the way, is a fancy phrase. Well, not fancy necessarily, but not English. So it always sounds fancy when people like me say it. Uh, for optical illusion, fooling the eye. That's yeah. what it means. Making something, um, specifically making something 2D look 3D. Yes. Yeah. Boy, howdy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no shit. Um no shit. Uh, and we uh, we opened up this episode with a really interesting thing that I didn't notice until I started watching it the third time, which is the first six episodes, if you remember, always start with a host waking up. I think four of them are Dolores doing that, waking up under analysis or anything. And this episode, it's basically... Uh, Charlie waking up Bernard, right? Yeah. And what we think is a, a flashback or a, or a dream. Yeah, so Charlie is awake, and the person we see waking up at the beginning of that episode is Bernard. Who turns out... Which means, by the end of the episode, <laughs> that the streak of seeing a host wake up at the beginning of the show is as yet unbroken. Yes. Yes. So, boy, is everybody going to... Overexamine that from now on. Yeah. Uh, so that's a great little scene, and you know, it's also devious because it's you feel terrible for Bernard. It's empathy. He wakes up alone, 
you know, he glances longingly over at the picture of his son. Uh, and then, you know, we see him going to work and he's sitting, he's, he's sitting down next to, um, uh, uh, very naked Rodrigo Santoro as uh, Hector Escaton doing a diagnostic. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I love the fact that he's talking about, uh, for example, a, uh, a thread, a, a guest had made, and he's looking at the words in the host's memory and the words that the host shouldn't know, like, uh, uh, carry on and car and things like that are being flagged by the computer pr- program. Yeah, that was interesting to watch. I thought. And then, absolutely hysterical, he gives the self awareness test, and it actually says self awareness test on the screen to yes. Eschaton, showing him pictures of like the real world, <sighs> and Eschaton delivers the line that will be chiseled <laughs> into stone. It doesn't look like anything to me. Yes. Oh, my God. Which, at the time, of course, we thought nothing of. Mm-hmm. And we've heard about, like, that that's sort of the default response, you know, for, for when it's something that is outside of what their reality is supposed to be. That's what they say. It doesn't look like anything to me. So right. the, picture, the picture that, uh, you know, for those remembering, if you flash way back, um, Peter Abernathy 1.0... Dolores's father uh, finds the picture in the dirt out on the farm and keeps staring at it and staring at it. He shows it to Dolores and she says, that doesn't look like anything at all to me. Yep. So, so, and they wanted to remind you of that in case you forgot that line from episode one. (laughs) Obviously that's what they're doing. Now, the other thing that happens right at the end, the guy comes in and Bernard asks, hey, where's Elsie? And, you know, she's on leave. And Bernard I think her leave started today. Yeah, and Bernard does not freak out about that, which made me wonder, shouldn't he be freaking out about that? And the second thing is, is like, oh, they want uh, this host upstairs. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking... Immediately. That, yeah, immediately. And uh, so then you cut to Teresa walking somewhere to some penthouse level of a hotel, it looks like. Yeah. And just this loud, how did you describe it in our notes here? I want you to read that. <laughs> right. Teresa meets Charlotte in mid Rydum cowboy. Yes. <laughs> like, literally. <laughs> so, Charlotte Hale is uh, going to town on, uh, on Hector. And... Uh, uh, and is and... completely shameless about it. Teresa manages somehow to knock anyway and charlotte opens the door naked Naked. and opens it wide enough that Teresa can see eschaton buckled to the bed and he's like bring your friend y'all ain't done (laughs) and (laughs) And it was and charlotte charlotte uh ushers her in not even thinking about it grabbing a robe and having a snack and she is one power player if she doesn't have any fears about doing that kind of thing. It also shows you what common social mores are like in this weird future, right? Well, at least for her, yeah. yeah. And, I feel uh, like her and Logan would have a good time. <laughs> yes, they seem to be two peas in a pod. And then Charlotte puts the squeeze on Teresa about the blood sacrifice. Because we need a blood sacrifice. Because she, ex- 
yeah, because she explains, and even this is funny because it's a it's a mirror of the conversation that Teresa had with Lee in episode one, where Lee didn't know what the hell was going on, just that something was. Well, yeah, that 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 corporate wanted something with this place and not just the amusement, the theme park. Yeah, and he's like, "You want something like like there there are bigger forces at play here. Like I know something's up. It's not as simple as entertaining fucking." guests you know or whatever it is he says and she's like okay so what do you think it is and i think i told i think i said this in the last episode he's like sums up and she goes okay what and he uh, it's up and that's like you know that's all i got but i know it's up you know and yep. that's it that's exactly it and then you know i think Teresa does the same getting it wrong you know because she thinks oh, she that they're wrong. gonna yeah she, she says you know you're gonna fire for it and it's like they can't fire him because he has all the intellectual property and what right. delos cares about is the ip I... this was such a flashback for me working in the tech industry for so many years i'm like mm-hmm. eh, yeah, i can kind of see that one so well and yeah she says, and Wait, all i could think was how has this park existed this long and nobody has leaned on him any harder to do this? Like what kind of idiots are running Delos if they're like, yeah, let the crazy guy in the desert keep all his stuff in one place with no backups anywhere else ever, ever, ever. Who are you people? But, but this is interesting. What exactly is the technology, the IP they care about? Cause she says she doesn't give a shit about the hosts themselves. And that's right, like it's their pretty important. Yeah, it's, it's the, the AI. Yeah, is it the AI or is there something else? I'm not sure. I'm not going to commit to saying well, it's just the AI. No, she no, no, didn't no. There's spell more. it out. Yeah, she didn't spell <laughs> it out. Anyway, I've seen it. This is not my first rodeo with Westworld. This is my seventh rodeo yeah. with Westworld. I know there's more to it than that, but the AI, like whatever it is that's happening, it's probably. Um, the real genius thing, yeah. you know, the old Val Kilmer movie where they build something because it's awesome. And it turns out that the military wants it for a weapon. Yeah. I think that's what's happening here. I think that Delos is going to end up being like some sort of, they're going to be in cahoots with the DOD and something that they're doing with this AI or something else that they're somehow doing in the park um, could be weaponized. And maybe Ford knows about it already because we hear him tell us later that, like this in his first rodeo either. Yeah, they've they've done this kind of thing to him before, which yeah. takes us to the next setup with Clementine. But before that, we go back. Maeve goes back to the Mariposa. Yes. Shutting down, you know, because she's she's now self aware mm-hmm. basically, and she can't stand that goddamn piano music anymore. <laughs> so she just like closes the lid on the player piano when she walks through the door. Yes. And later on, you see the somebody pointed out, oh, it's a it's a continuity error that you see the lid to the player piano open up right away. No, no, it's not right away. She's Maeve's had her breakfast. She's standing at the there at the bar. It's been a while. And... It's been a while. It's cut. You know, it's time cut there, people. Somebody else opened up yeah. the player piano. Anyway, because they thought they could play and they tried to play it or something or somebody wanted to hear the player piano play and opened it. I assure you there are a hundred thousand reasons that that happened and it did not take very long. Yeah, it's so, not a, it's not <laughs> a continuity uh, error. Not you. So, uh, so anyway, Clementine comes down and it's really funny. 
Tandy Newton's performance when she starts to parrot. Yeah, she starts to parrot the open mouth line that's in her script, and she realizes she's saying the programmed words. She gets like halfway through it, and you watch her face just. <laughs> oh my god! Like as she's saying it, like it's almost like the words have gone rotten in her mouth. Exactly. And so she immediately goes off script and starts improvising, so to speak. And they start, uh, they start talking and we find out more of Clementine's backstory, you know, her family on the farm where they can't Mm -hmm. grow anything. She sends them money. They think she's a school teacher, blah, blah, blah. She figures a few more years on her back and, you know, she can do whatever she wants. And she's going to take her family and go somewhere Ooh, cold because they're out cold. cold. Yeah, boy, those foreshadowing motherfuckers <laughs> do it to us every damn time. And <sighs> then, then as you put it, what happens now is like everybody freezes, and really, Maeve sells Clementine out. Well, that this is my theory, and I don't know. If this is everybody's theory, because at because Clementine has turned around and is looking out and said and like so she's got her back against the bar where Maeve is still facing the bar as they have this conversation. And so the only one like facing literally the only one facing the door when everyone stops is Clementine. And so Maeve has her back to the door. She well, Maeve turns around when Clementine just freezes and she realizes that everyone in the saloon is suddenly doing the mannequin challenge and she can't figure it out. And she, and, and then out of the corner, like out of the window or something, like she sees the ghosts coming and the shade, I think they called them. Um, The shades uh, who she later, yeah. Who she later describes as when I first found out about you guys, when I I first saw them, I thought you were gods. gods. And now I know you're just men. Yeah. So she turns. So she has her back to the bar. She turns back around to the bar and freeze and holds as still as she can. And she hears. She hears one of them say, "It's it's the one at the bar." And of course, we all, including Maeve, you know, the characters think it's Maeve, yeah. right? We're all like, we- "Oh God, she's fucked." They know we're done. Oh God. Oh God. Oh God. And they grab Clementine by the arms and escort her out. And then it dawns on you. Blood sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. But but we don't get to that part right away because because we have dead guy with a nitro bomb. <laughs> yes. So we're we're back to William and Dolores' storyline. They're on the train playing bad cards uh with uh Lawrence. Right. Uh, and we, we saw none of them. In episode right. six. So all of oh. a sudden we're like, oh, yeah, you guys got on the train. What's up? And yeah, Dolores, we find, is nursing a grudge. Yeah. So refuses to play cards with William and Lawrence. Well, Lawrence, but yeah. <sighs> well, yeah, yeah, the two of them are playing cards and she will not join for Lawrence based reasons. Yes. But Lawrence also turns the tables on him about, you know, because they're like, hey, you know, they're giving him the, you you're really low selling people out, whatever. And he totally turns it on them. Like, no, you wanted to get into this to see the end. And you sold your friend out over there. So, Mm -hmm. you know, if I had the opportunity to screw, to fuck you over again, I would. 
I would do it just as hard the second time. Yes. I remember him saying that. <laughs> yes. And and I'm like, you know, as asshole as that is, you have to have a certain amount of respect for somebody who goes, yeah, you know what? If I given the opportunity to be a prick or not, like I'm I'm going to go full prick basically yeah. every time. And <laughs> And uh, I, you know, it's a, yet another great performance. Clifton Collins Jr. has some of the best lines. He's a treat. <laughs> He's a treat. And, and it's, it's fun because, like, it's really interesting, but it also gives you a moment of, like, laughing and not having to figure everything out and not be very... Because my mind is always turning on whatever it was I just heard, whatever it was I just saw, what was that thing in the background, what does that conversation mean? You know, I'm always thinking through that stuff and like Lawrence just lays it all right the fuck out there for everybody. <laughs> and so right. he's almost refreshing in that way. Like I don't have to like wonder what Lawrence is up to because he'll just fucking tell you. Yes. The man is straightforward. Uh, the, and so we also find out that they're going through the uh, Indian territory. Yes. Uh, which, I, you know, it was a little tribe. Yeah, you know, it's a little classic cowboys and Indians. I hope we find out more about the, uh, what is it, the ghost? Uh, ghost tribe? The ghost. ghost. God. Ghost. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I can blame it on the thing my the soon. The... Yeah, yeah, the uh, my soon to be 60 year ghost nation tribe. Ghost nation. Yeah, okay. ghost nation tribe. My soon to be 60 years of age next month. Uh, I can blame it on, uh, on that, but uh, yeah, Ghost Nation. We don't really find out anything about them, and they're just—they are really stereotypical Indian. Yeah, crazy Indians. And I'm like, really? Come on, we got death See, everywhere else. Give us some. Yeah, there. I feel like there's more to them because I'm like, this is cheap. Yeah, and I—you could have cut that whole, and I don't want to get too ahead of ourselves. You could have cut that whole chase scene. Mm-hmm. in half and it would have been fine it wasn't yeah. adding a lot but anyway before that, was, that that's probably the first moment i think in the show when i was like oh my god you guys i get it move yeah. along you know most right. of the time well, I yeah, that, a lot of that's time when you up, did like, wait 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 yeah that i knew that was exactly when you got to that scene because that's when you were texting me because <laughs> you, you had time to text I could. yeah because yeah, you could uh so before that that scene we get the great uh it's like two or three scenes with william and dolores one the where william you know admits that he's only in this temporarily because he's got a babe at home and then he realizes he's being a jerk and then he goes and chases dolores into the what is the mail car or uh, whatever it is yeah and then tells her the line where I think this is when you texted me, he's the man in black. Yeah. What, what, what was the line? Um, he was talking about, um, let me see if I, I have something. Yeah, you wrote it down. Um, right. uh, so he's talking about how he has a life where he pretends to belong, pretends, you know, like does what he's told, goes along to get along, tries to be good, you know, um, I have that life, and then I came here, uh, and and I got a glimpse of a life in which I can truly be alive. How can I go back to pretending when I know what this feels like? And as soon as he said that, I picked up my phone, and I went, Don William is the man in black, isn't he? 
<laughs> and then you were yeah. like, yup. And then I don't remember. And then I said like, oh my God, the train just stopped or something. And you yes. went, oh my God, you're not done. Shit, shit, shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because I, I, I didn't realize you, you hadn't actually finished the episode because I almost spoiled, and we'll get to it a little bit, the ending for you. And so, uh, yeah, but, but this whole set of dialogue by William echoes exactly the dialogue by the man in black in episodes two and three. Uh, yeah. As he's having conversations with Lawrence, right? Yeah. You know, I'm and, never and going I, back, right? Yeah. How he wants to be here. This is like, like this to him is real life instead of whatever's out there. Yeah. Right. It's, you know, it's William saying, I'm never going back. And it was the man in black saying, I'm never going back. So we, you, Kelly and I are total uh, MIB equals William shippers now. Oh, so, yeah. So the other thing that I thought was really cool is the scene where after, you know, they consummate the relationship and uh, William cheats on his fiance and has sex with Dolores yes. and wakes up and he finds her drawing, you know, mm-hmm. just on some like random sheet of canvas in the like canvas the over some boxes or whatever. And he says, like, you know, what is that? And she said, well, you know, she's always drawn what she saw around her farm. but Yeah, mostly landscapes thought, or something. Yeah, yeah. What if I drew something new? Yeah. And what we find out is when they finally get through the, you know, Slim blows up real good and evade the ghost nation. And they dead come guy nitro out, bomb. Yeah, dead guy nitro bomb. Once they come <laughs> Which... to the end... And they go genius. up in the, yeah, when they uh, get to the top of the hill, she sees it. She sees what she drew. Yeah. And Lawrence says, hey, are you, you know, you coming with me uh, to the end, basically the end of the story, the end of the loop here. He doesn't say it that way, but that's what it's going to be in there. Yeah, like, but he's like, yeah, I got a narrative to get to. Yeah, right. And he's, <laughs> he's got two more dead guys on horses filled with nitro, too. So yeah. he's, he's got a lot of confederados and union soldiers to play. Actually, up. I thought that was really funny when he says, I got a couple of friends here who are looking to join the war effort. Yes. Yes. <laughs> because yes. for people who don't remember, because there's a lot going on, um, we're talking about the, uh, they, they went and got all that nitroglycerin, you know, that they were supposed to go uh, like rob from the soldiers for the yeah. war effort. And they took that and they were pumping people full of nitroglycerin. Yeah, so they could sell the tequila in nitroglycerin right. bottles to the uh, confederados. But no worry. Yeah, so they decided no. to, they, yeah, they decided a good place no. to store all that nitro so that they could sell bottles that said nitro full of tequila at a very exorbitant sum to right. confederados. They decided to put the nitroglycerin in some dudes. Yeah. So they took one of those dudes and put him on a horse. Uh, the train stopped. They they put one of the dudes on a horse uh, with a white flag, and he goes trotting out there. And Lawrence leans out of the Lawrence leans out of the car. We get a tight shot on the guy who looks a little sweaty, and then you realize, oh my god, it's Slim. And then you realize, oh my god, he was the guy in the coffin. And then you realize, oh my god, all the guys in the coffins were filled with nitroglycerin. And then you see Lawrence shoot a son of a bitch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which. Holy God! <laughs> yeah, it was uh, it was pretty spectacular. But in the end, the important part is when they got to the top of the mesa, and yeah. and Dolores sees her drawing in she real did. life, 
and they go off script. And I thought it was good that William asks, you know, where does this uh, lead? Mm-hmm. And Lawrence says, you better ask the dirt because ask nobody ever. Ask the dust. Ask the dust because nobody comes back from there. Now, it's yeah. my theory. That's It's my theory if this is in an, a 30-year-old timeline mm-hmm. that where they're going, they're going to meet Dolores's future uh, father, who you call Peter Abernathy, number one. Because my bet is out there in the desert is that crazy um, uh, horror thing going on, right? Uh... Where Abernathy got all of his dialogue and things like that. And if yeah. they stumble across those bastards, then you know two ti- at least two timelines are confirmed. But Yes. But we'll get to the timeline thing later on because I'm of the mind that there are actually three timelines going on. But I'll explain that oh, later. Okay. So so let's get to <laughs> back to Clementine and yes. the software demo from hell. Oh my god. It was it wasn't even from hell. It was just oh god. It was like watching somebody try to execute something in Word Six live in a room full of people. It was terrible. Well, that's that's even God. That's a, <laughs> just a gruesome metaphor. <laughs> just, I, I, that just made oh. me shudder right there. Gruesome uh, and older than the park. Um. Yes, uh, <laughs> yes. Um, so anyway, you know, basically, uh, because Bernard calls Teresa on it later on. Basically, yeah. what they're trying to do is they're trying to blame Ford for the reveries code screwing up and enabling the host to go off script and kill people. And the they were referring to is Teresa and Charlotte Hale, the yeah. new girl, uh, who has made quite an impression on a number of people. Teresa is one of them. Teresa and Charlotte call this meeting where the two of them are there. Uh, they're there with Stubbs, the head of security, and a few of the other security team people they're all standing in one of the glass rooms. And, and then Ford, one of them is sent over, right? Yes, Ford is there, and Bernard comes in, and Ford sort of has this look on his face like, I'm not really sure, like, I can put together what I think is going to happen based on the attendees of this meeting, but I don't know. And Bernard is like, Oh, he knows WTF, about WTF, ladies. He knows about the blood sacrifice. Remember, we find at the end, Ford is right. essentially God, right? And remember, who's right. who's sitting in the room with Teresa and Charlotte when they discuss the blood sacrifice? It's Hector, tied it's up on the bed. Of Which, course. <laughs> yeah. Of course so, Ford knows what's going on. Well, and I have a, a, a corollary to that theory that eliminates the Hector middleman in it. Um, and we'll, we may, hopefully we'll get to that later, but the thing that I was most interested in here was the thing that you told me that I didn't think about. Um, they go through this demo. So they, they, um, uh, Teresa sort of puts together this air quote, puts together this demonstration of how a previous build with the reverie code in it, uh, basically, can turn the hosts renegade. So they could whoop an ass. And if somebody from the park staff goes in and says freeze or 
uh, you know, you're done or reset or whatever, you know, none of the voice commands are working. Right. And by the way, we also find out that there is at least one QA tech who is a host because they send him in with Clementine and she kills him. Basically, she kills that uh, QA tech host. Mm -hmm. And then Stubbs goes in and kills her, yes. uh, kills Clementine. Yeah, so, he shoots her after so, she beats the other guy against one of the glass walls of the room until until wait. his head is bleeding. And so to me, I was like, well, there's the blood sacrifice. And then I'm like, that's ice cold that you just picked a guy from security to go in there and get and, and get his ass kicked. And then it turned out that she killed him. So imagine my surprise when Don's like, no, no, that was a host. I'm like, yeah. what? so I go back because you you were you were probably freaking out on something before and you missed the two lines of dialogue where uh, Teresa says that. Anyway, the important thing really is after this whole bullshit demo, one uh, Clementine is really the blood sacrifice in a way because they're gonna they're gonna lobotomize her because we're clearly she is she cannot be allowed to continue. Period. Right. Full right. stop. But the, the key is the end where uh, Charlotte Hale blames Ford, uh, starts to blame Bernard for this, uh, for this, and Bernard, every once in a while, eyes over at Ford, like, are you going to defend me, boss? Are you going to defend me? And Bernard just takes it in the end, and he gets fired by Charlotte Hale. Because and she Ford starts talking say... about, yeah, she starts talking about um, either last minute code was injected and you didn't write it, but you let it out, which makes you an idiot or, uh, you wrote it and it's so bad. It should never have been allowed out the door in the first place, which also means you're an idiot. And we have no margin for idiots in this company. So yeah, get she, a box. <laughs> she just goes totally Steve jobs on his ass. Oh, it was brutal. And he does. He keeps looking over at Ford. Like, you're going to tell them you're the reveries. You're going to tell them you're the reveries anytime now, boss, you can tell them it'd be okay. And he's like, and Teresa at this point, because she sort of was looking kind of vindicated, you know, when, uh, initially Charlotte mentions Ford and starts talking to Ford some, and then is like, you know, but really the boots on the ground here are, are Bernard's and, starts in on him and basically flays him alive and alive. And then he gets fired. And now Teresa can't look him in the eye and Ford absolutely refuses to look him in the eye and he leaves and he's a disaster. And I'm heartbroken because this wasn't his fault. This shouldn't have happened. It isn't fair. I'm so sad for him. This and, is such bullshit. And you think Ford is a complete asshole. And you're and right, Ford is a but not asshole. for, but not for that reason. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, so, well, but, no, I have a feeling he's a complete asshole. He will happily confirm it for me, you know, in about 10 minutes yeah. but for now. But, but before yeah. that, what we do is we get to see uh, Maeve watch Sylvester do the lobotomy <sighs> on Clementine, which just is heartbreaking, breaks her. And then. At the same time, Bernard comes back and grabs Teresa out of the room and yeah. says, I've got to show you something, right? Yep. And so... Uh, <laughs> Which is another moment when I texted you, Bernard has Teresa on the elevator. You're like, like, oh yeah, shit's getting real. 
That's exactly what I typed into. Shit's yes. getting real. It's getting real. And I'm like, where are they going? What's going to happen? Is Elsie waiting for them? Like, yeah, I had like no clue. So, and then just when shit's get real, you cut back to Maeve, Sylvester, and Felix. Yeah. And Felix, or rather Sylvester, is given the big excuses about why he did the thing to Clementine. Because, you know, he said, hey, Which... if they... It yeah, was actually sounds, good excuses. He, he wants to sound like he means it, but it's one of those things that sounds shitty no matter what, you know? Yeah. Like, to me, you know, because he's like, well, I thought it was better if it was me because if I didn't do it, they would have just got someone else. Yeah. You know, and and the only reason it sounds shitty coming from him is because we, we're pretty sure he's not sincere because we know he's just looking to not get fired. Yeah. Or, you know, he's dead. we're pretty sure he's that guy, so... <laughs> But she has the great line because she says, now you've got to do something for me. Mm. I'm going to get out of here. And they're like, what? You know, that's like a, that's a death wish, you know? And, yeah. she, what, and her, what's her line there? Uh, uh, she said, uh, he says something about, uh, oh, like you'll die out there or something yeah. like that. And she yeah. says, I've died a million times. I'm fucking great at it. How about they're you? Like, cause they're, basically, they're like, we're not going to help you. Um, you know, even if we let you out, you'll die. She yeah. says, okay, so I've died a million times. I'm fucking great at it. How many times have you died? Yeah. And then the realization <sighs> hits them. So that is a very, very powerful scene that is That's completely a, yes. eclipsed by the next one. <laughs> I know! Which is... Like, oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. Yeah. yeah so... That's this whole episode. So we're at the end of the elevator ride. They come up, Teresa and Bernard come up in Sector 17. Mm-hmm. And uh, Bernard's leading their house. And I'm thinking, why the fuck is he leading their na- her now? Is he trying to get back at Ford? Because Ford screwed him? I'm thinking, you know, I'm stupid me. I, I just don't see it coming quite yet. I think he's mad no, at Ford. Did. Yeah, I, I he's... I'm, he's mad at Ford. He yep. wants to tell Teresa, is he trying to save his job? Does he still love Teresa, even though she uh, rejected him and basically helped screw him? How stupid can he be? So all these thoughts are going to my mind. Yeah. Is his they loyalty inter- still the park? And in order to keep the park safe, he needs to make sure that somebody knows about these and Elsie's not around. Right. So even though he knows Teresa is the leak, like she's still his best bet for like. But little do we all know. Ford. Little do we all know. We've just been Noland. Oh my God! Because they walk into the house, it's all dark, and you know, you you see them panning around. You know, Ford's uh, rather Bernard's got the lantern. They're looking around. You see the wall with the wallpaper where Bernard was slammed up against by the fake Ford daddy mm-hmm. uh, two episodes uh, or the prior episode, and uh, they're uh, saying, "I you know I don't know where the hosts are." Blah blah blah. And he's he looks the other direction. The, camera pans across and Teresa says what about this uh, what's behind this door pan what back door? and there's a door there but Bernard says what door what and door? then your stomach falls out you lose control of your bladder but well, that's not he the had worst his back to it, so I'm like no no if you go I went back I watched it three fucking times <laughs> it's not there when he does the first pass, he turns right. the camera pans to the right. The camera pans back after Teresa says, what about this door? And I'm going, holy shit, there is a door there. And then it hits me. 
because he said walking in, remember, he said walking in, like, how did we, you know, Teresa says, how did we not know about this place? And Bernard says, you know, the hosts could be programmed programmed not to see it. it, Right. Yeah. Well, the survey, um, because she says, how come the survey crews haven't ever discovered this? And he said, um, the survey crews are hosts. The survey crews are hosts and hosts have been programmed not to see it. So then, yeah, there is no door. And then all of a sudden she asks about the door and there's the door. And when he says what door, I think he still has his back to it. And so I just assumed he didn't see it because it's dark. And then he turned around and was like, oh, let's go through the door. So then we get downstairs. (laughs) And by the way, entering is we're going downstairs and I'm like thinking to myself, this looks familiar. And it isn't until they do the other shot. That I realize, and I'll get to this in a little bit, Exact, I know exactly where they're at. But yeah. inside the little glass wall in there, there's an old style, or rather a mid-style lathe for a new style host. One of the, As uh, Bernard says, one of the slower lathes. He says it's not as you know fast as uh, one of the ones up in the Mesa, but you know it'll take a few days to, uh, a few days longer to create a host. And there's a host being created in there. And We'll get to that, but they walk all the way to the end, and there's drawings laying on a table, mm-hmm. and the and Teresa picks them up. And the first drawing is Little Ford. They're plans. Yeah, they're plans. Second drawing is Dolores prototype. It literally says Dolores prototype. Dolores prototype. So it's old. I mean, well, from from our per- perspective, we know Dolores is one of the oldest hosts in the park or the oldest host in the park. And this says prototype. So in this, you know, like Dolores is in beta. So this is a very, very early Dolores, Dolores yeah. rendering. And then the camera cuts to her a... as she turns to the third page. And she says, have you seen these yet? And then you can just tell this tension or do what, what do I do here? Everything just changed. Everything just changed. Based on drawing number three, she asks, and then she asks Bernard if he has seen these and she shows him the, the plans that she had, the schematics that she has in her hand. And Kelly for the big prize. What does (sighs) Bernard say? (laughs) That doesn't look like anything to me. Yeah, oh I, my God! So everyone at my house, see, I'm, which I'm, is Mr. Kelly and I, grabbed the remote and paused it, and like I wasn't done, like yeah. So I'm I'm SMSing to Kelly right now. I'm in California, <laughs> she's in in Portland, Oregon. I could hear the scream from here. <laughs> oh my God! And so then you know the camera cuts again, and there's Ford. <laughs> behind them all so you know, while, explaining... while we're still paused so before we get that far we're still paused i pick up my phone and i, I scrolled back and found it i typed to don in all caps ah <laughs> a with like a dozen h's and then it doesn't look like anything to me and then my mind is blended <laughs> don replies keep going it gets creepier and i send him back like 10 exclamation points and he says well said <laughs> And did it get creepier? Oh, my God. And then, yeah. yeah. 
so then I repl- and then so we have a little bit of a, a back and forth and then I said is it too spoilery to call the show Bernard is the final terrifying Cylon <laughs> I thought it was a perfect title right there of course oh. it was after midnight at that point and I was groggy but oh, yeah. but we're like but we're like this is awesome so yeah anyway so Ford does one of the are. best best little speeches his speech about the peacock I mean, oh, God. everybody has probably been so freaking out over that Bernard is the host. You got to go back and listen to that dialogue. And it's, this is it, why I watch him twice, because the second time, like now that I know Bernard's the host watching it again, I can pay attention to the other stuff. Yeah, because Ford's whole point is that, you know, I have a theory, which is funny, which is also a nod to the fans. I have a theory uh, I, or I heard a theory that all of human intelligence uh, was basically developed to, you know, as a sexual thing to find a a mate, you know, because he lists off a whole bunch of things like, you know, human accomplishments, right? It's like the peacock's uh, feathers. And he likens the peacock, you know, who can't even fly digging around in the dirt, but -hmm. still feeling good about himself about the plumage. Mm -hmm. And so he talks about, you know, sparing the... uh, sparing the hosts uh, the burden of consciousness. And then you it's a marvelous performance by Jeffrey Wright where you just watch him just slowly from his gut build this fucking freak out until uh-huh. um, until you know basically uh, Forge hits the off switch or hits the pause button on him. Yeah. Well and then um as he's giving the, uh, I put this in the notes as the mommy dearest moment, um, because Ford, and here's why, again, point of reference, Ford is basically talking to Teresa. He's not, he's not talking to Bernard. Like we, once we discover it's Bernard and, and here's the thing is you're like, Oh my God. And then you're like, no, 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 I don't know what's going on here, but it's not that. And then you see, uh, you know, and like once it becomes clear and Ford is basically like, ding ding winner winner chicken dinner then bernard's like but this can't be true i have a my son i have a family i was a father and he starts like the funeral (laughs) yeah and then and then ford says like cut out the emotion or something and he just takes a deep breath in and stops and he's like neutral again just like when they're on the naked on the chairs it's the same thing and it's freaky as fuck to watch bernard do it yeah. And so this mommy dearest moment is basically Ford having this conversation with Teresa and he sort of slowly advances on her. And what it reminds me of is the end of mommy dearest when she becomes the head of Coke and says, don't. And, and she, she's given this board, this speech to the board who doesn't take her seriously. And now I don't remember if it was Coke or Pepsi. And so now I'm going to feel bad about that. Um, but <laughs> Like she's married to the guy who's like the head, who's like got a seat on the board and she takes the seat when he dies. And they're like, yeah, that's not how it works because plumbing. And she shows up at a board meeting in like a power suit and advances on every single one of them, stands in this conference room. And at the very end of it, she says, don't fuck with the company, boys. And that's basically the speech he's giving. Yeah. I and I, I saw it. I saw it as him going full Hannibal Lecter on her. Oh yeah, oh yeah. But did you notice? <laughs> did you notice something? Because they pull the camera back just enough on Teresa to see her once she realizes that Ford has the upper hand, that she puts her arm in the position of 
not being afraid that Bernard taught her. This is before she realizes she really is afraid and she tries to get the get the phone to work and that Ford leans in then and just Mm -hmm. puts a knife in the heart. He's like, you know, didn't you hear me? I created everything here. I built everything Mm -hmm. here. And so, of course, it's not going to work for. And then we know in the end that um, Bernard plays basketball with her head. So. And it was there's a thing that he says. What did uh, what did he say? Like the board enjoys the sport of it. Like they've pushed their limits before or something. Pushed his limits before. And like. And it sort of sounded like, you know, this is not the first person to have come down to the basement, you know, kind of. And. And so then last night, uh, when it was over, uh, so yeah, we see Bernard very methodically takes off his jacket, takes off his, puts his glasses in the pocket of his, of his coat, takes off his jacket, takes off his tie, goes over, beats Teresa against the wall. And when she collapses in a heap under the spatter of the back of her head on the wall, uh, the shot pulls back. You don't see her clearly. Um, you see Bernard advance on her and then the camera pulls back and pulls back. And as you see her collapse, what the only thing you see in the foreground is the, the people printer that's down there, you know, Still printing away <laughs> the, the person writer too, that's down there <laughs> putting this, like building a person. So Don texted me at the end of the episode and says, who's on the lathe? And I got that text and I looked up. We were done. And so I asked Mr. Kelly and I said, Don wants to know who's on the lathe. And Mr. Kelly says, Teresa. Duh. And I'm like, oh, my God. So I sent you that. And you were like, yeah, that's what I'm thinking. And I'm like, OK, you guys are creepy. And then <laughs> and then so then I said, yeah, well, Don it, agrees it, with you. And he said he said and this is where the other theory comes in. Because uh, I said, yeah, Don says the same thing. And he goes, yeah, I think him and that black girl have had the same conversation. And she's a robot, too. Which I said, oh, and but, I'm like, oh. oh, by the way, you know, Charlotte, uh, we don't know if uh, Charlotte is one of Ford's. Yeah. So, so, so we're, who we're is gonna... this board that we've talked around for six episodes and seen a glimpse of? Well, you know, maybe that's season two material. But then again, there are only seven episodes in. The other thing is, uh, I was talking to Glenn F- uh, Fleischman online today about this because he <laughs> he saw this last night, and uh, we got to get get him in a, in one of these shows uh, sometime. And uh, oh, you know, that's right. He thought, believe it or not, he thought it was um, uh, Jock on the lathe. He thought it was a dog because it looked small to him at first. And I was like, uh... what? What what are you nuts? And I said that doesn't you know that doesn't look canine to me, yeah. but it might be uh, young Ford because it does look small. Yeah. But you don't really get a good positioning shot, right? You, it, it is <gasps> really hard. Oh God, to... it's Elsie. Uh, it might be Elsie. Yeah, I don't know. Oh God, it's Elsie. Well, because the other thing I thought was, what if it's just another Bernard? Because you know how like sometimes. Um, I do this. I don't know if other people do this. I will find like the perfect pair of shoes or the perfect jacket. And so I'll buy another one so that when the one that I love inevitably wears out, I still have one I can continue to wear and get like twice. I can wear that thing for twice as long. You know, Kelly, we should never put you in charge of <laughs> a, a robot lathe then because Christ only knows what would happen. 
So anyway, let, let's not worry about who's on the lathe because that's pretty minor because right now my number one theory, yes. especially based on that photograph from episode three, yes. is that Bernard is not just a host. He's a host copy of Arnold. And okay. stay with me on this one. Remember when Ford shows him the picture of Arnold? Yeah, and there's actually this... talks about Arnold. Yeah, and... And he looks at a photograph that's really weird, and it's a picture of the young Ford. It's a mm-hmm. picture of the Ford Autobot dad. Yeah. And then there's a blank space on the right side of the uh, the picture where there's like kind of a shadow. And what my thinking is, is we got Nolan then because we're in Bernard's POV, mm-hmm. and he can't see himself in that picture because that would ruin it for him. Mm-hmm. So... Well, he can't see what looks like him. It's not really him because at that point he's a host. So my theory is that Arnold looks exactly like Bernard. And Bernard is basically a host copy of Arnold that doesn't know it's a host copy of Arnold. Also, let's go back to all the scenes from episode two and three. And remember when I talked about the basement and said we get back to there? Mm-hmm. When... Hey, look. Hey, look, doesn't that basement look familiar? It's exactly the same fucking room. And where that lathe is now, mm-hmm. because Bernard said when they walked down there that these were, you know, site uh, remote uh, diagnostic fac- facilities. That's what he described mm-hmm. that before they walked yeah. down uh, to the uh, the end of the hallway. And that's exactly the room where who we thought was Ber- Bernard sitting in with a fully clothed, never naked Dolores. My theory is that that is back from the very beginning. That's like 34 plus years ago. And that's mm-hmm. Arnold that we're seeing there talking to his original creation. And I'm going to stick okay. with that one. And, you know, I'm going to put money on that sucker that that's what's going on because it's the same fucking room. You know, it's, it's the same plumbing on the walls and, color the same layout and everything yeah oh yeah so uh so that actually means get this uh because i i can't i think it was glenn uh glenn fleischman said that this morning they said technically there's three timelines going on there's the timeline 34 years ago with arnold and dolores arnold who looks just like bernard Okay. Bernardo looks just like uh, Arnold. Then there's the timeline. So it's not Bernard that was actually down there interviewing her. It's, it's Arnold, Arnold who was down there interviewing her. And that's the reason that we, we hear Arnold only... tell her to go out in the night and dig up a gun at the riverbank yeah, and whatever. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Why, why the fuck would Bernard ever tell her to play a game called the maze? That didn't make any know. sense to me, right? How can he know but about the maze? And if, yeah, but if it's Arnold, it makes perfect sense. So okay. there's that timeline 34 years ago. Then Which there's is the time, like the, the dawn of the park, we'll say. The, the dawn of the park. Then there's the timeline 30 years ago, which we followed around this episode with William Dolores, you know, out on the, the train. And then okay. there's the, then the, and, you know, and what's going to happen is that there's going to be some catastrophic event that turns basically William into the man in black, is my theory. I think and then we have Arnold the current time. Uh, I think Arnold getting killed is what no, is no, how no. we get the man in black. No, 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 because the uh, the man in black said that Arnold died before he got there. Remember, oh, I remember Logan. That. Remember when they're walking into uh, Pariah, 
with Logan, William yeah. and Logan, and Logan says the silent part, uh, the other partner died. Nobody even knows what he looks like. Oh. Remember that was that when they were okay, yeah, 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 yeah. So that's my theory. Yeah. So I forgot but, that. Otherwise, yeah. Otherwise, that would have been. But I'll point. save my <laughs> other theories for the next episode because I think we're over time again, Kelly. We always are. <laughs> we tried really hard. Okay. I but, think. Um. If so, yeah, I hope. <laughs> I hope we get feedback from you guys on that. Um. So if we it, say adios, compañeros. Now. Uh. Yeah, I think so. Alrighty. Happy trails. Happy trails. We'll see you for episode, what is it, eight next? Eight, yeah. Eight coming up. And we may have some uh, people joining us for that. Oh, yeah. All right. Bye-bye. <laughs>